0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about flow trails, and we've got Jim Hodgson with us. Jim is one of the Single Tracks writers. You may be familiar with his stuff. He's an outdoor humorist, and you can find his work on jimhodgson.com. He's also got a new book out on Amazon and Barnes & Noble called 10,000 Gods. Thanks for joining us, Jim.
1: I'm happy to be here. I love you, boys.
0: So we're talking about flow trails, and... For mountain bikers who might be just getting started and aren't familiar with the term, what exactly is a flow trail?
2: I would say a flow trail is a trail that requires minimum braking and pedaling. Some would say no braking or pedaling, but I personally prefer my flow trails to run a little bit steeper, so trending more towards a more braking, less pedaling. But in short, it's like a bermed out jump roller line, sort of similar to one you might find at a downhill resort. But we're seeing these built all over the place, in uh, in national forests, and city parks, different degrees. And Generally, a flow trail can be ridden by anyone. So anybody with any bike can go out and roll through this trail. They can roll over the tabletops and the rollers. But the best flow trails are designed so that if you're a more advanced rider, you can air out the tabletops, double up some of the rollers, and kind of rip through the berms at a faster speed. So it's a trail that really... Kind of caters to all levels of riders and tries to provide a really fun experience for people on both ends of the spectrum.
3: Yeah, that's a good definition. I would just add that, kind of like you said, that the emphasis is on maintaining speed both up and down. Um, you know, so climbs are rolling, the grades tend to be very shallow, and then the descents are really swooping. The corners are bermed, and you know, like you said, you want to keep braking to a minimum. Also, kind of along with that, the uh, technical obstacles tend to be minimized, or if there are technical obstacles, there's usually an uh, alternate line around them. I love the choices.
1: So, you guys both mentioned trails that have choices, whether that's for jumps or for the alt lines. You know, if they throw some skinnies and some other technical stuff on there. I love having a trail where you can, you can make it whatever you want it to be, and like... I just think that's really awesome, and it really adds to the re-rideability of a trail, especially something that's close to town. You know, you—it's like you can take somebody with you that's not—that's not so interested in doing the technical stuff, and they can have just as much fun as you when you're falling off the skinnies and breaking your face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on. Uh, well, so Jim, you, you started touching on some of the advantages of flow trails, but what are some of the the other things that you guys enjoy about flow trails?
1: Well, let me say that all three of you are very good riders, and I feel like it's part of my job at single tracks to speak to people who are sort of in it to be hanging out in the woods and be hanging out with friends and be riding bikes more than really trying to ride the most technical stuff in the world And we have We have a lot of people on the site and on uh, forums and who comment on Instagram and stuff, and it's like if you're not riding the hardest, most technical stuff at all times, then you're not mountain biking. <laughs> that is, I just find that to be annoying. I mean, I, it's like if you don't eat your cereal without milk, then you don't really love cereal because milk <laughs> makes it <laughs> milk makes it all
0: soft and you know.
1: I, That's how it's meant I'm to be it. eaten? I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm in mountain bikes because it's awesome and it's a great way to spend some time in the woods with my friends and. I like to ride a little bit, eat a sandwich, maybe drink a beer, maybe ride a little more, you know, uh, so I like the challenging stuff, but sometimes I just feel like riding and having some fun and you know maybe doing another lap rather than just completely wrecking myself.
3: Right, it doesn't have to be painful to be fun. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I've taken that philosophy to my, my love life as well. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to leave that in or not, but anyway, there it goes. So, like, uh, I I used to get a lot of crap from other single tracks riders because I love Fats, the trail out near um, Augusta, Georgia, and, uh, you know, there's not a lot of climbing at Fats, but there is a lot of fun. I mean, it's just a whole lot of miles of pretty rolly, there's not a lot of climbing, everything's very smooth, and you can put in a lot of miles and feel like, man, I had no idea I was riding that far because I was having so much fun the whole time. But then I've ridden some other trails like in the Shenandoah Valley area where I felt like 10 feet of the trail was like taking a year off my life because it's so technical (laughs) and so hard.
3: Well, one of the things I was going to say, on one of the uh, advantages of flow trails is, you know, I guess arguably they're safer. You know, Jim, you mentioned earlier riding skinnies and breaking your face when you fall off. You know, flow trail is probably easier to sell to the powers that be, you know, to the land managers to the park system, whatever, it's probably it's a much more attractive to say, hey, we're going to we're gonna build this trail and you know families can come ride here with their little kids and beginners can come ride and they're not going to fall off a skinny and break their face.
0: Right. Yeah, I think a lot of park managers and advocacy organizations appreciate them too because you can build a flow trail pretty quickly using machines. You can just kind of go in there and bulldoze through and... You know, they're meant to be, you know, sort of smooth and flowing. And so you don't have to do a lot of handwork necessarily to build them so they can be built really quickly. A lot of ways, too, they're more sustainable. I mean, this is a it's kind of a modern trail building technique that's been a lot of it's been taken from road building and those sorts of things that are meant to last a long time and to drain well and to prevent erosion. So I think, too, one of the advantages is that they're just more sustainable.
2: I, don't know, I might play devil's advocate for a little bit here because you know you can have a technical trail that's even more stable than flow trails sometimes. In certain places, like having a ton of rock in your trail um, is going to allow it to hold up better than a trail that's just buffed out dirt because it's not going to like wash away. Sort of depends on where you are. And the other thing is like I think sometimes we when we talk about flow trails we get caught up in talking about two different things. You know, flowy cross country trails are one thing. But then, generally, when I think of a flow trail, I think of more of like a downhill flow trail. And when you talk about those trails, those are definitely not easy to build at all, you know? So, like yeah. those downhill fro- flow trails take much more time to build than a standard cross country trail since you have to move so much dirt to create massive berms and tabletops and rollers. And you also have to spend a ton of time planning your line exactly so that once you've built a trail, it has really good flow. And then sometimes people screw that up and then they have to move like a massive berm after the trail's been built because they didn't get it right the first time. It sort of depends what you're talking about a little bit, how you go about that. Yeah, and I
0: mean, obviously, too, the terrain makes a big difference out out here Mm -hmm. on the East Coast. Obviously, there's a lot more trees and things and trying to route through those is a lot harder than just, you know, kind of picking a straight line and bulldozing right through. So with all those advantages, why do flow trails a lot of times have a bad reputation among certain mountain bikers?
3: I think they have a, you know, reputation that they're too easy. It's not going to improve your technical riding skills. They don't necessarily make for a well-balanced rider. And then the other big critique of them is that it starts to dumb down other trails. You know, if a new rider if all you know is flow trails then, you know, that maybe that's what you think mountain biking is. And, you know, you'll modify other existing trails to make them easier, you know. So instead of developing your skills to the point where you can, you know, clear that route, you just either reroute around it or you chop it out altogether. So I think, um, you know, I think that is a a legitimate concern. You know, like Jim said, there's nothing wrong with going out and mountain biking and wanting to have fun and not wanting it to be painful, but in my opinion, all trails shouldn't, shouldn't be like that. You know, There should be a variety.
1: Yeah, like I said, I love the ones where there's a, there's a choice. Like um, Sorba has been working on the, uh, the rope mill trails. Man, I love that, the new trails out at Rope Mill. It's like,
3: yeah, they're really good.
1: Plenty. It's super flowy, super burmy, but there's also, you know, there are some rock gardens. You got to climb up into the rock garden, they got some skinnies going. There's kind of something for everybody. I mean, and there's even like some downhillish tabletopy type stuff that you can ride. So, just having something for everybody is is really really cool to me.
3: Yeah, I also think it depends on you know what you kind of cut your teeth on, you know. I being an East Coast mountain biker, the the stuff I learned to ride on was hard, you know. That's it's rocky, it's rooty, it's steep, really technical. So that's what I prefer, you know, but I mean there's nothing wrong with either kind of trail.
1: Let me tell you guys a little story Jeff and Greg reached out to me and asked if I would write. i don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like five or six things that mountain bikers say, and uh the post never saw the light of day because I guess because my jokes were bad but <laughs> <laughs> but but one of the comparisons I made is like a lot of times it feels to me like people treat trails a lot like beer so currently if if you're into beer and i am then people understand that what you mean when you say that is that you love ipas because because some, at some point in the world just decided that craft beer means ipa and personally i don't like ipas i think it tastes like drinking a pine tree but but if you don't but to say just to say the words i don't like ipas is i'm expecting a dude with a beard to come in here and punch me in the face any second in my own home <laughs> It's like, like if you don't really dig IPAs that much, then you're not, you're not a real beer consumer. And I think there's a little bit, when it comes to trails, there's a little bit of that like, no true Scotsman type of thing, like, if you don't enjoy the most technical trails in the world, then you're not a real mountain biker. And people, mm-hmm. it, and it starts with jokes, you know, like, like you post a whatever on the internet and you're like, hey, look at this awesome trail I rode. And then some somebody will say, oh man, you... You know, you got to ride some more technical stuff. There's this trail over here that's like, and the trail they want you to ride is basically like if you remember the scene from Endor where the Ewoks are crushing all of the uh, all of the Empire's walkers and all that stuff. That's what the trail is like. It's like not only not only are there skills features that you have to ride, but the trail actively attempts to break your legs. And it's like if you're if you're not riding like super technical stuff all the time, then you're not a real mountain biker, and that's just. It's crap. It's not Yeah.
0: Right. That, I mean to me that's that's not a really a valid complaint about flow trails. But I will say that, you know, one of the things and Greg, you and I think John Fish have also written about this. There's something about, you know, just the standardization that comes with flow trails that makes makes them seem sort of like if you've ridden one, you've ridden them all. I mean I think people are getting a little more creative, but there are some pretty serious constraints on what you can and can't do with a flow trail. And I remember being out at Camba um, up in Wisconsin on a, a trip and, um, we rode one of their new flow trails and the guy said, well, what do you think? You know, how does it compare to other trails that you've ridden? And I said, you know, honestly, it was great. It was a lot of fun, but it's just like most of the other flow trails I've ridden aside from the trees and the things that are surrounding it. I mean, that trail could have been anywhere in the country and it would have ridden and felt the same. And so... That leads to, I guess, one of my other complaints about flow trails is a lot of times they can just seem unnatural. I said earlier, I compared it to kind of like road building. And when you see a lot of these like downhill flow trails and you can tell heavy equipment and things came in here to build this. And it looks like a highway in a lot of cases when they're super wide and you've got these perfectly sculpted lines and things. I mean, it doesn't... To me, it it stops looking like a trail and feels more like...
3: A dirt sidewalk?
0: Yeah, dirt sidewalk (laughs) or like a pump track or something else that doesn't necessarily fit into the woods, you know? I mean, it's more something that I'd expect to see in like an urban area. For me, I mean, that kind of takes away from it. But don't get me wrong, I still love riding them.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. I I love trails that like really make the best use of whatever's already in the natural habitat, whether it be rocks or roots or whatever the features are, and just build the trail into those features and utilize them. And then you can really say, you know, oh, this is a unique trail to this area because you can't get this anywhere else, you know, but you can't say that with flow trails.
1: Okay, so let's say if you're, let's say you've got a piece of land and you're thinking, all right, we're going to build some trails here and then people are going to come and ride mountain bikes and they're going to spend money in our town and they're going to, you know, it adds a dimension of tourism to our area. Mm-hmm. What kind of trail are you going to build? Are you going to have something that's super technical and you're going to get five guys per year? <laughs> or are you going to build something that's pretty flowy and has a lot of options you hopefully you can get a ton of people all the time, like all summer long into the fall. Right. Well, the
2: the argument though is like, how many people are going to travel or ride like super super flowy trails? Like, I'm not going right. to go somewhere because they've got a flowy trail for me to ride. Greg, I've argued I gotta in stop the past
1: because I think you
2: are lying because <laughs> <laughs> because I
1: know about you that a great joy in your life is having ridden a million different trails in a all over the U S. So that is I tr- think that. I think that you would go there and ride those trails. I think you're saying that you wouldn't, but the truth is, if they built it, you would be like, well, hey,
0: I'll check it out. If you build it, Greg will come. Yeah. yeah
2: it, that's, a, that's a valid argument. Um, well, one thing I've argued in the past, and this was probably a few years ago now, is simply that if you're starting a trail system from the ground up, you know, you're looking at big picture, like what trails do we want to build to bring these people here? Like, I think you should build trails for everybody. And I think you should treat it sort of like a bell curve. So, you know, on the super green, really easy end of the spectrum, I don't think you need very many of those trails because there's not going to be too many people that are super green, and those people aren't going to be able to ride very far anyway. So you don't need that many. But as you progress into like the more middle of the spectrum, I think you need to have a bulkier trails be intermediate to again appeal to most people. But if you build a good intermediate trail, you know, that can appeal to an advanced rider too. Um, and then as you get to the other end of the bell curve again, it starts tapering off towards the more advanced trails. If anything, I would argue you might need a little bit more on the advanced spectrum than you would on the beginner spectrum, just because those advanced riders are probably gonna have more endurance as well. But I don't think it makes sense to ever say, We're just gonna build one type of trail. I think, you right. know, yeah. should build all different kinds of trails, you know, and that's sort of what we're doing in Salida and that's why I love to see in a lot of places where it's like oh we just built this super gnar trail oh we just built this flow trail over here oh we just built like a green like meander along the river trail you know and that's uh it's kind of cool to see
0: well it's I mean it's definitely an interesting question and it's one that we've actually started looking at uh for an upcoming article and sort of analysis but it does seem like the trails that are becoming more popular are the ones that are newer and are flowier than the ones that are, you know, sort of legacy trails. It is interesting and to figure out where sort of the bulk of that market is. And like it or not, I mean, I think that Jim's right, that it is flow trails.
1: It'd be interesting to see what has happened to Pisgah's ridership ever since uh, DuPont has sort of come on the scene. DuPont's got a lot of, flowier stuff to ride and they're building trails out there that I think are more on the flowier end I was just there this summer and certainly flowier than the way I remember Pisgah being (laughs) so I think it would be interesting to see the numbers of those two since they're in basically almost across the street from one another and they have Mm -hmm. two very different sort of philosophies
3: I bet there's still just as many if not more people riding in Pisgah because I mean if you're there's so many good riders in Western North Carolina. It's a big destination for us here in in Georgia to go up to Pisgah. You know, it's only a 3-hour drive from Atlanta. And you know, I know when I go up there, I usually do a day or two in Pisgah on the older, you know, legacy kind of just brutal trails where like you said earlier they're taking years off your life. <laughs> but then, you know, I like to wrap up the weekend with a, a trip over to to dupont because it is you know it's like it's kind of like a pisgah light um you know there's definitely some you know some technical stuff out there but the climbs aren't as steep they aren't as long and brutal so it's good to have that mix but i think i think the pisgah as a as a region is all their trails are blowing up you know they've they've really had a lot of media coverage over the past couple years and i think ridership across the board on all their trails is is up there Yeah, I've got one more thing
2: on why flow trails have a bad reputation. And I would say flow trails in general might have a bad reputation because there's so many crappy flow trails out there. Hmm. I'll show up in a place and they'll be like, oh, you got to ride a new flow trail. And I go and ride it. I'm like, this was a really crappy ride. (laughs) There are a (laughs) lot of poorly built flow trails out there. And if that's like, you know, the only one or two flow trails that somebody's ridden—they're like, oh, flow trails suck, you know. Um, but when you actually get on a really well-built one, you know, your perspective could really change. One example of this was—I uh, probably get some hate for saying this—was PBR in Fruta. It stands for pumps, berms, and rollers and beer. I didn't think it was a very well-built trail. Like they didn't—they didn't move enough dirt to make really good berms. really good rollers and it was too flat and I was just like yeah (laughs) no thanks you know Hmm. it's like your newest trail out here and it's probably one of the worst that I rode in that area so yeah so I think crappy flow trails can really put a taste in people's mouths especially they don't have a lot of experience with flow trails
0: yeah that's a good point well so you mentioned PBR as being a flow trail you didn't enjoy Greg so I'd like to hear about some flow trails that some of us did enjoy
2: Yeah, well, I can jump right in. By far, my favorite flow trail I've ever ridden uh, was up at the Canmore Nordic Center in Alberta. I'm trying to remember the exact name of the trail. I think it might be Ice Cream because you keep going back for more. (laughs) But uh, it it was a short trail. Like, it was newly built, not really well integrated into the system. It was just sort of like off to the side somewhere. It was maybe like a half mile long. But I think I lapped it like four or five times. It was just. And this is after, like, riding 20 miles that day. And it was just so good. Absolutely on point trail design. You know, you had the perfect amount of speed to, like, gap the doubles, perfect amount of speed to hit the berms and then lead into the next jump. And it was just absolutely fantastic. And then my runner-up would probably be Bomb Dog at Coldwater Mountain down in Alabama. Also fantastic.
3: Ah, you took mine. Yeah, so... Coldwater is kind of the best example of a of flow trail to me. I mean, you know, they did, they moved a ton of dirt out there, but they also have some really interesting terrain. And like you were saying, Greg, they, they definitely made best use of what's out there. You know, there's there's a lot of rock on that mountain, and they have moved a ton of it purposefully into the middle of the trail. So there's rock options all over the place, and there's ride-arounds if you don't want them. But even the, even the climbs out there are... I would say they're flow trails, you know, cause you're, you're climbing, but it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like it just cause you're rolling the entire time you're, as you're gaining elevation. But yeah, I mean, bomb dogs, just fantastic. And they, they just continue to add more and more trails out there. Kind of like you were saying with the bell curve, they've got, they've got one green trail. That's probably a mile or two long for the beginners. But then, you know, the meat of the the trail system currently is blue trails, but they also are building, you know, kind of some more black diamond trails out there. Part of their long-term plan is to build some like legit backcountry single track out there. So, you know, all handmade stuff instead of getting the, the ditch witch out and carving these dirt sidewalks through the through the woods. This would be, you know, this would give you a really remote backcountry feel. So, I think they're doing it right. They've got the flow trails and part of their long-term plan they're going to have that variety that I think, you know, all of us are looking for when we go to a destination. So
1: I I love fats. Uh, I haven't been there. It's been a couple of years since I've been out there. So for all I know, it's, uh, it's terrible. And uh, (laughs) we did, we did, it was fall when we were out there. So we had to put on like fluorescent orange or else the hunters will shoot you because (laughs) they think you're a deer on a bike, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Look, I'm not from South Carolina. I don't know how they do it, but uh, we had to wear a bunch of orange. And I've been meaning to get back out there, but the problem with it is. There's really nothing close to the trail at all. I mean, you, yeah, you, you kind of got to stay in a you know a Super Eight or whatever, which is one of the things that's so great about a trail like uh, Dupont is it's right there near fun stuff to do. So when you finish riding, you can get a burger and a, a tasty beer and uh, you know be around other people and not a bunch of hunters who are making sure you're not a deer, <laughs> shooting you. I will say that some of the downhill stuff, and I mean, this is true pretty much all over the West as far as I know, but I I rode some downhill stuff around uh, Sun Valley that was like, you know, when the downhill is so long that you're like just tired of standing up on the bike. (laughs) It's like, you know, you've been descending for an hour or something. It's, It's pretty amazing, especially to an East Coast guy. So there's lots of cool stuff to ride out there where... I I love a ride where you just climb, it feels like you're climbing forever, hours and hours and hours, and then there's just a massive, crazy 30 to an hour downhill where Mm -hmm. it makes it all worth it you forget about all the terrible climbing that you did. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, DuPont, the Ridgeline Trail is unbelievable. Our local rope mill is unbelievable. Out west is great. This is not a very good list. Pretty much anywhere, <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> anywhere they'll let you ride a bike in the woods. That's where I want to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I have a favorite, but but what comes to mind for me is a lot of the trails around the Chattanooga area. Greg, you and I have ridden a few of them. You know, Five Points comes to mind, mm-hmm. and also Enterprise South. Both of those, I just just remember them being just so fast, and it doesn't take a lot of effort to keep your speed up and you know, just really have a good time on the bike and nothing is too taxing out there too. You don't have to think a lot, which is a good change sometimes. I think what all of us are kind of saying is that flow trails are great, but so is variety. There's not one style of trail that's going to fit everybody. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is, do we have enough flow trails? Is there some magic ratio of flow trails to non-flow trails that you know, we're eventually going to achieve.
2: Yeah. I would go back to sort of that bell curve again. And personally I'd say, you know, maybe five to 10% of your local trail inventory being flow trails, plus their access trails to the top on top of that might be good enough. But whether or not we have enough flow trails, I think depends a bit on where you are. It sounds like there's a ton of flow trails, you know, in the South where your guys are at and you're referencing all these flow trails, but here in Salida, we don't have a single flow trail. So depending where you're at, maybe you need more. Maybe you have too many already. So, so
0: you wouldn't call the stuff at Methodist Mountain flow trail, like the rainbow trail? A little conductor? rainbow trail? Yeah.
2: I wouldn't call little rainbow trail a flow trail, personally. Like, it's a XC trail. It's kind of flowy.
0: To me, that was very much a flow trail. I mean, there wasn't a single bump on that trail.
2: Yeah. Well, I'd call it like a smooth cross-country trail. Okay, I think what we're learning here is that
1: sometimes people use certain words pejoratively, but there's no real definition. Like a lot of people use the word "hipster" that way. Like, definitively define for me what is a hipster. And mm. when when you ask people to do that, what they'll say is, "Well, there's a guy who has a you know he's wearing this and he's wearing that," and you're like, "Okay, but well, I'm wearing that." Uh, you know, I mean, Paul Bunyan's got a beard and a flannel jacket. Is he a hipster? I don't think so.
0: <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree. And like that's why I think sometimes we get our wires crossed a little bit on flow trails. But you know, we are hoping to build a flow trail and it's already been, you know, it's in the master plan and that's probably one of the next projects is to build like a
0: legit flow trail. To me, maybe it's less about the features and more about the ride quality and kinda of how you feel when you're riding a trail. It's a it's a hard one to pin down a definition.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, kind of like I mentioned earlier, being an East Coast rider, I prefer the technical trails, you know, like the challenge, the feeling of accomplishment when you, when you finally conquer an obstacle that's been giving you trouble. I think there's also something to be said for developing your skills to the point where you can find, you know, quote-unquote flow on even a really technical, slow, rocky trail. You know, if you can keep your momentum going and it's smooth, then I, th- I think there is... A case to be made for, you know, developing your skills to that point. But flow trails, I mean, just this buffed out, smooth stuff, kind of like uh, we've been talking about. I, they're fun to ride. it's just not my my favorite kind of riding. But if I had to put a, a ratio on it, I'd say, you know, thirty percent flow and seventy percent technical. You know, your more standard trail single track.
0: Well, cool. This has been a fun discussion about flow trails. Thanks for joining us, Jim.
3: You're
1: welcome.
0: And don't forget to check out jimhodgson.com to see the latest of what Jim's working on and check out his 10,000 Gods book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thanks for joining us again. We'll see you next time. Peace.